Hello and welcome to Spotlight on the Indie Corner. You're probably wondering why you can't hear Benno's voice, but he's abandoned us this evening because he's training for a comeback. <laughs> he's considering returning to the squared circle, and right now he's in a seminar with the one and only Jiggy Walker, training for his return on Saturday at 16 Carat, where he's going to take part in the Ambition Tournament. He's watched so much Bushido recently, he thought he'd take on shoot style, and saw that saw that WXW were asking for applicants. So he thought, I can take up this shoot wrestling lark. And yeah, Chris Ridgway's car broke down the way to the airport, so there's a spot open, bring your gear, Benno. Anyway, that's where Benno is, he's abandoned me and JP. JP, how you doing? I'm alright, thank you. I, I don't know if I can better any of that. Um... I'm desperate well, you're to see Benno f- in ambition, though. You're That's- a better friend than Benno. You're really. Oh, here. thank you. That was a bit sappy. It was a bit sappy, wasn't it? We'll have to cut that bit out. Nah, carry on. Yeah, we'll leave it in. We'll leave it in. We've there. had a wonderful evening, haven't we? Watching uh, Ajax defeat Real Madrid 4-1 and Spurs. Well, not for you, but... No. Spurs going to the quarterfinal of the Champions League as well. Have a 1-0 win at Borussia Dortmund. Been a good evening. Yeah, we watched the first half of the Dortmund game, which was crazy... And then we watched it basically until Spurs scored. And then it was like, well, this is over. Heard about the Real game. Um, put that on. Great fun. Anytime Real Madrid are being spanked, I'm, it, I'm all in on that. It's just amazing stuff. And they got their asses well and truly handed to them by what hopefully will lead to a Dutch revival. We mentioned Euro goals last week. If there's a chance of being able to watch an hour of cracking Dutch football, I, I want in on that because that'll be amazing. Yeah, I'd be well up yeah. for a Euro goals revival. Well, it's a shame you can't get DSF anymore. Get an hour of Bundesliga, maybe a bit of Bundesliga 2. Yeah, we'll see some Bundesliga 2 this weekend at some point, inevitably, won't we? Well, Bundesliga 2 this Sunday, big derby. Hamburg derby. Hamburg against St Pauli. That's a massive game. Oh, it's a shame we can't go. I think it's taken part in the Bundesliga 2 for the first mm. ever time as well, that derby. Really? Yeah, yeah. You pouted at me there. You look quite excited about that. I'd like to see it. You, know, you want to kiss me? No, not quite at that stage. Well, that sort of thing would go down well at St Pauli. Good liberal club like that. <laughs> anyway, perhaps you'll be kissing me at the end of uh, the carrot weekend. In celebration. Probably. Yeah, I think you Play will. Play your cards, right? Anyway, what we're going to do today, we're going to preview Carrot later on and talk about the upcoming weekend in WXW. But first of all, I just want to go over sort of what we've been watching, usual sort of rundown. Uh, JP, anything that you've been watching in particular last week or so, or since we last recorded? MLW um, had a big show in terms of intimidation games. It was like 2,000 people in... Yeah, good crowd. In Cicero, Illinois, was it? That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just outside of Chicago? Just outside of Chicago. 2,000, really hot... Normally, I wouldn't abide this kind of stuff, but the kind of hooters that they bring to those crowds kind of adds a bit more of an arena Mexico vibe. Oh, I to thought it. you were talking about like the, the no the bar with <laughs> lots of silicone and ants. No, no? Okay. no, not that one. Um, Jesus, I'm Christ. glad you're not because I got food poisoning from there once. <laughs> I've never been to one. Are um, they still a thing? Do they exist? Uh, I went to one about 10 years ago when I lived in New York. There was one in Manhattan. Yeah. And uh, I had a cracking night. Not, you know, I was there with my ex-girlfriend uh, <laughs> and a few others. But uh, yeah, it was interesting. Food was shit. And yeah. I got food poisoning and the beer was overpriced. So I wouldn't bother, mate. All right. Okay. I think there's one in Nottingham, isn't there? 
a fight. I don't see how I'll end up there anytime soon. No, I remember seeing it on like, you know what, I think I saw it on Booze Britain once. <laughs> really? You had to bring the Bravo chat back around. <laughs> a- anyway, um, yes. shame Shotgun was never on Bravo. I think that really would have fit the Bravo remit, actually, if WXW was yeah, still making Shotgun. Yeah, it would have been. If, if, if Bravo was around, if it was around today, it'd be like the wrestling channel. It, they'd, do, they'd be able to, I reckon I could see them doing three-hour shows and the rest of it. Why not? You can make a whole documentary of Benno and his uh, training for his shoot fighting career, oh, possibly. Following his awesome. Bushido viewing. <laughs> a Bravo show that influenced his uh, shoot career. Anyway, what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> this, we promised this week was going to be like a quite short one, thinking, okay, we're going to do, obviously, a really long podcast after 16 Carat. There's possibility we're doing a live podcast on the on the Friday, which we'll we'll talk about at the end of the show. So we thought, oh, this one will be a bit be a bit quick. You know, it'll only we'll manage to get through it quickly. And I don't even know if we've even talked about wrestling. Well, you're yet. delaying it now with this chat. So yeah, MLW sorry. intimidation yes. games. So what have you seen from the show so far? Well, it was only two matches on the card that was on TV. Um, I saw the. Uh, the the Lucha tag match between the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kids and Taurus, um, which was great. It reminded me a lot of the um, like hardcore Lucha matches that Psychosis and Hooventude and Ray would have in ECW. Um, it was a lot like that. I mean, that's kind of where it, it comes from, but just with some really great double team moves in there as well. Um, they flowed really well, and obviously last time I saw MLW, the Lucha Brothers had an absolute shocker which completely broke down against um, Teddy Hart and Davy Boy Smith. Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed that for what it was. It was a unique match with yeah. a crazy finish as well. Yeah, I watched this one as well. I thought it was kind of that end of the lucha scale where you've got these crazy athletic moves, but you've got this rough around the edges kind of street brawler yeah. style, if anything, which is mm. always interesting. And not something you see a lot of anymore, but it reminded me kind of of those weird styles clashes you see on uh, Nitro occasionally, yeah. where they just throw a few luchadors out there to do whatever they wanted, basically. And you'd get like 10 minutes of thorough entertainment from them. So I really, I really like MLW's approach as well. I think, mm. you know, finding a way into that Hispanic market... I think mean, they're a really underrepresented market. I know WWE have claimed to try to find a way to get the Hispanic market back after Guerrero and Mysterio, but let's be honest, they've never really made a proper effort. Alberto Del Rio was never going to be the one, was he? Let's be honest, Alberto Del Rio shite, and he'd go <laughs> my my top ten worst list with Big Show, Kane, all the rest of that, Bray Wyatt, all the rest of them. Um, but I think this is a really good way in. I think the Lucha yeah. Brothers are the hottest kind of Lucha act out there at the moment mm. um, I like the fact they use LA Park as well I think that's a really great move sorry La Parker I think it was LA Park I can never remember mm. I think that's a really great move LA Park and this was just a really fun opener what I found weird about it though and my favourite part of the show was Jim Cornette yeah. who I thought was absolutely amazing on commentary mm. it was like he'd never been away he was absolutely seamless and he's just got a great way of using metaphor and kind of these quick-witted analogies to get stuff over mm. And no way was this Jim Cornette style of wrestling. You know, this wasn't um, the wild-eyed Southern boys against the Rock and Roll Express in Smoky yeah. Mountain wrestling. So far from it. But, my God, the man was an absolute professional out there. I thought he was absolutely brilliant on commentary. He was for this, because any time there was any kind of mistakes, which in this type of match is always going to happen, because it's kind of fun for what it is, and it's wild, but it's, it's very much kind of of a piece. Um, he was able to kind of... He knows how to get past those bits. 
So if there's anything that's like a miscommunication, so there was a couple of times there was a couple of spots that didn't quite work out, and he was able to talk, he was able to talk around it and still play into the story. His whole thing has always sort of been logic within wrestling. And that's the thing that he brings as a colour commentator, regardless of the kind of his persona that he has on social media. And that's all a work anyway. Yeah. Let's come on. The yeah. guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, it keeps his name around, doesn't it? Yeah. Let's face it, it's probably how he ends up in MLW still. <laughs> I think he's. I think his radio show was on the MLW yeah. network, wasn't it, oh, as yeah. well? So yeah. he's got that relationship with Court Bauer. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really smart move. I, You know what? When I've watched MLW, I love hearing Tony Schiavone on commentary. Mm. He wasn't there on this show. I'd love to hear Schiavone and Cornette together. I think... Uh, Rich Shiva- Bikini is okay, actually. Yeah, I think he's good. I think he's good. But there's just a legitimacy that I love hearing Shivani when he's yeah. commentating seriously because, you know, he had years of shite to deal with in <laughs> WCW at a certain point, didn't he? But just actually hearing his voice and then seeing him kind of develop a bit of an mm. interest in wrestling again is quite refreshing. And it's weird because Cornette, you would associate with this old school style of wrestling, but he managed to adapt his style to fit in with this kind of quite interesting original product that MLW were promoting at the moment. Mm. This was live on a, on a mainstream platform. Some of the references Getting... he was throwing in as well there, he threw in reference to the Barca-Real Madrid game that day that yes. was live on being Sports. You know, the whole WWE oh, speak of promotion or the rest of it and throwing these cultural references in always sounds so cringe and so forth. Cornell, I can't imagine he's a football fan, but he made that seem so natural when he just threw it in there as well. I was really impressed with him. Yeah, uh, it's more colour commentators. Like, I mean, it's, it's good to see him being used. He, he did those shows for uh, what culture, of course, but it kind of felt like it wasn't his natural kind of habitat as much as anything else. So it didn't, for me, it never felt right. I never saw or heard any of the what uh, culture shows. It, good, good for what it was. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I imagine he was jet lagged as well. Yeah. Ate too, mu- ate too much Nando's that day as well, I bet. I um, bet he ate an absolute shitload of Nando's. He loves a Nando. <laughs> I've heard him speak about it before. I also like, in terms of MLW as well, I like the backstage stuff that they do. And in terms of the uh, the interviews and some of the packages, I've noticed, and I didn't get to see the end of the show, and you're going to tell us about it. They had the Contra symbol flashing throughout. And I was thinking, okay, so obviously what did that lead to in terms of the main event? Well, the main event, I I don't love a cage match. Mm. Um, It took forever to set up the cage as well. And Cornette and Bacini did a pretty good job at managing to fill time between uh, the the opener and the main event. Um, Yeah, cage match is just uh, probably my most disliked of a match. The match was okay. Um, I don't sense that Lawler and Loki have got a massive amount of chemistry, if I'm honest with mm. you. Um, it felt a little bit awkward at times, the match. And the ending, I, I just didn't really like. To me, the ending didn't make a lot of sense with both guys falling off the cage, but Loki slamming Lawler's head against the cage. So Lawler fell off the cage and then Loki fell down. It was like... Why would you smash his head against the cage and take the risk of him falling off and then you lose in the match? Yeah, to yeah. me, that's, that stuff is just inexplainable. Why aren't you just climbing down? Yeah. The best thing about the match, for me again, was the commentary. Um, what Cornette is doing throughout is he's talking about Loki um, going on this scouting mission to really try and get one over on Tom Lawler. Mm. So he's talking about him contacting Chris Weidman <laughs> because Chris Weidman previously <laughs> beat Tom Lawler. <laughs> 
and he's talking about Chris Weidman uh, giving him tips on how to. He's sort of speculating. Said, "I heard that this might have happened." This it was like, this is a really smart approach. I like this. Like, obviously, it's not true. Um, it'd be great if it was true, but at the same time, it's using Tom Lawler's legitimacy as an MMA mm. fighter and finding a way to make that work in this kind of UFC set, UFC in this MLW setting, if anything. So, yeah, I, I really like the mixture of kind of the um, shoot and the work there, if anything. So, really mm. good approach. Um, Post match, you had. Uh, I think it was Jacob Fatu, um, Simon Gotch, Lawler's yep. old partner, and someone else who I did not recognise. <laughs> um, so if anyone wants to fill in on who that was, JP, look it up now. Thank you. Um, yeah, there was someone else. It looked like there was some new faction who I'm assuming are called Contra. They put Jacob Fatu over quite strong. Um, did a splash on the top of the cage, sort of Jimmy Snooker esque with a lot more force, if anything. And that was how they ended the show. So it looked like Almighty Sheik. Okay, not Shake Al Sham though. I wish no, I'd... it isn't. That'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, with Flutter as manager. <laughs> um, but Jacob Jacob Fatu looks like he'd be Flutter's sort of bloke as well. See him in Preston sometime soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Jacob Fatu, I've seen a couple of times. He looks like a talent. He looks so athletic for a big guy. Mm. He can do a lot. Um, sort of in the vein of an Umaga. But I've seen him do some high flying as well, which is quite impressive. I saw the big splash he did in there. Yeah, I've seen him do some dives out of the ring before as well. Like crazy sort of stuff that a bloke his size really shouldn't be doing. Um, so I'm hoping he'll, we'll sort of get a new kind of maybe like... Bam Bam Bigelow type character or yeah. something like that possibly so yeah really kind of positive show I think for MLW again good hour long shows nice snappy shows easy to watch easy to find on YouTube as well they also learned from the last big sh- live show they did in terms of super fight because part of the issue was I think they had three matches so the main event felt very short on time and they'd learned from that for scaling it down to just two and obviously the tag of the uh, the tag in this one was a better match mm. than the one that happened on the first one. So it felt like they kind of learned from the mistakes and obviously thought to themselves, you know, Lucha Brothers are obviously a really good act to put on live TV if they're going to have that kind of match as well. So you'd hope it goes well. It's just a difficult landscape for talent, but they seem to be maintaining the relationship because obviously they brought up the fact about AAA for the Raider Kid and Taurus. They've brought up AEW as well. Um, they are... I can see it makes me wonder about the overall sort of TV landscape that excluding sort of Ring of Honor that the idea that promotion should be trying to cross promote with MLW that seem to be apparently doing good ratings on being sports and being sports are delighted with them for what? the marginal audience they get they're getting paid they have a they have a sponsor for the show as well I mean there are things that are moving in the right direction I, I, the main issue is going to be keeping and holding on to talent. Yeah, absolutely. The entire presentation is great as well. They're yeah. trying to push this like fresh talent as well. Talent that's not attached anywhere, which I think is a really positive step. And you've got a mixture of, you know, someone like a Tom Lawler who's got that legitimate mm. MMA background, a really unique talent. You've got an indie veteran in someone like Loki who's been around the block. You've got these great luchadors that they're using as well mm. to engage that Hispanic audience. I think there's a really smart approach. The, the presentation of the show is great mm. as well. What's really interesting is being sports as a channel. Uh, I don't know who be uh, being sports is its own entity, isn't it? I don't think there's any ownership um, that exists. I want to say it's owned by a state government. 
yeah, that's what I thought as well. Um, Middle East, right? If I'm if I'm thinking right, I am just checking. I've right got a feeling leaving Qatar, possibly. I want to say Qatar, if anything. Yeah, which Richard Keys uh, summed Qatar up as the um, what was it? The little atom that dared to dream. No, the mighty atom that dared to dream. <laughs> but yeah, based in Doha. There we go. So yeah. So yeah. Um, so. What was I saying? It's really interesting now they've got behind MLW and you think about mm. Sinclair and Ring of Honor. And this is something Sinclair could have been doing with Ring of Honor, but we've just never seen the effort from them. These MLW shows look more alive than Ring of Honor shows. Mm-hmm. They seem to be drawing better houses than what Ring of Honor are doing at the moment. And you'd probably say Ring of Honor, in terms of the names they're still using, have more name talent. So it's even though they've had the loss and they've had a bit of a dent, it's really interesting that MLW are kind of, of those kind of what would you call them like third tier promotions I suppose yeah. after WWE New Japan AEW they seem to be the one that really is getting the most buzz right now and I think that is yes. partly due to the presentation and due to the sort of mixture of talent. Uh, I'd I'd look at it almost that they succeed because Ring of Honor and Impact aren't. Although there's this strange scenario at the moment where you end up with um, Impact announcing lots of signings for people on multi-year contracts. So Moose was announced to sign for one. They signed Josh Alexander, who I was quite surprised didn't get um, snapped up in terms of all of the talent they're being snapped up at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Um well, they're making good moves. They basically. are making good moves, and these specials but, are a good route forward. Well, I was just going to say with Impact as, as well, though. But there isn't any traction for the ratings, and you then look at, um, say, Ring of Honor, and like you say, not putting the investment in, um, and it still looks like a very cheap product when you see the television, especially. It's you know stuff at centre stage, but it doesn't look like a glammed up centre centre stage from even the early nineties of WCW. So. They've got a chance to succeed, and and the fact that they've got a channel behind them is interesting because it's a channel that has access to a hell of a lot of money because it pays out a hell of a lot of money for football. And I think they like the idea of they're just going to put on this very male-skewed programming and at some point sort of ship it, ship it around the world. It seems to work for them. Oh, when there's some cross-promotion and we've got Richard Keyes and Andy Gray <laughs> turning up in MLW... <laughs> I'd pay to see. I'm sure Richard Keyes will see old Serena Della Renta and well, some of the comments he'll probably be making about her, I don't dream to hear. I think she'd slap the shit out of him as well, which I'd pay to see. Oh, I would pay I would pay more than what those NXT takeover tickets for New York are going for at the moment, which is insane prices those tickets are going for. How much? I'm talking like $400 for just a regular seat in like the Fuck second that. tier. Yeah, it's insane. But I'd pay more money than I would pay for one of those tickets to see Richard Keyes get slapped about a bit. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, Qatar, yes. the little atom or the mighty atom that dared to dream. There we go, Richard. Anyway, how do we get on to Keys and Grey? Let's get off of them. Yeah. Pervs. Well, you can tell us about a show that you went to on Sunday. Uh, uh, yeah, I went to Rev Pro at the Cockpit on Sunday, which was a really interesting show, to say the least. Uh, full of, I suppose, ups and downs in many ways. Um, it's a, It was a really notable show, and I'd say it's a show that there's a lot worth watching and seeking out from that show, if anything. Um, 
First of all, the main event I thought was excellent. I was a massive fan of the Zack Sabre Jr. A Kid match, which was obviously the rematch from their five-star match last year. Um, it wasn't at the level of the match from White Wolf last year. I think they caught lightning in a bottle that night, didn't they? Mm. Let's be honest. They did. That was a kind of special match that no one had really any expectation for. With a t- crowd that really lifted it up yeah, as well, yeah. Absolutely. And the cockpit's a very different venue. It's a much more patient venue. Um, the crowd were really engaged in this match. Uh, they were really into every move. Uh, every move got a reaction. Every move um, kind of led to something else, if anything. It was a match that was extremely consistent. What I saw was a kid really bringing up, God, for lack of a better term, his A game. <laughs> <laughs> And it was the most impressive performance I've seen from A-Kid in person. Mm. What I was really impressive when it comes to A-Kid was how how good his strike it is. It's something I'd really never picked up Mm. from A-Kid before. But his strikes and the intensity of the use of his strikes were great. And you can tell Zack Sabre Jr. really enjoys wrestling A-Kid because he gave him so much. He sold for him as well. It was really interesting actually seeing how much Zach clearly wanted to get a kid over with this Rev Pro audience. Because mm. we all know about the five star match, but is everyone in that crowd? I'm not sure they do. Okay. Mm. But A-Kid, by the end of the night, seemed like someone the fans were really into and saw as someone whose legitimacy has kind of gone up that extra notch. It's, mm. it's quite interesting as someone who follows Rev Pro consistently because they've really tried to get... Well, ELP's gotten over. They've really tried to get Ridgeway over as well. Uh, mm. They've really tried to get Brooks over. Brooks is over, but he's not over as a legitimate contender, as a wrestler, I don't think. Whereas, I think in one night, they managed to get A-Kid over to this audience as someone who can go up against someone like Zach and look half decent. Mm. So I'd really go out of your way to seek that one out if you're interested in the show. Um, it's a show that was full of angles and full of promo segments as well. And really, really good segments. Really good advancement of several storylines. Um, there was a match early in the show between um, James Mason, veteran of the British scene, veteran of the British style, against Curtis Chapman which kind of worked into this longer, wider narrative uh, with Curtis Chapman kind of, I suppose, trying to become a man (laughs) and no longer being a child. And it was proper dad and lad stuff. It looked like Curtis Chapman was in there with his dad or his hard uncle, if anything. Um, And it was great because James Mason was sort of taking the piss out of Chapman at times as he was trying to keep up. Mason's work was absolutely seamless. It was sort of world of sport, old school sort of British holds. Lots of comedy mixed in there as well. But the comedy was used in a in a way that was made to get Chapman more frustrated throughout the match. Mm. So he looked more childish. He looked like a little child who couldn't get the job done, if anything. And it worked quite nicely into the match and then worked into the loss that he suffered at the end where he was caught off guard. Uh, we then got Zack Sabre Jr. coming out after the match and sort of taking the piss out of Chapman, um, sort of taking it to him, putting him in a choke, and Mason came back for the save. Um, there was a great bit where Zach was really having a go at Chapman, using some typical Zach wit, and I think he also referred to James Mason as dad at one point as well. That led in to the aftermath of the main event, where yep. Curtis Chapman came back out, Zach got him in a choke. Oh no, he'd been slapping him in the first second, sorry. Then he got him in the choke at the end, and Mason came back and took it to Zach and then challenged him to a match. So we've got that next month for the cockpit, or mm. at the end of the month, I should say. So I think Zach James Mason was a match I didn't expect to see. 
but it was built during the show quite effectively for a, like a returning audience, yeah. if anything. So a showline so- storyline that's that's kind of building up to the next show. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll probably take us to Zach Chapman at some point as well down the line, where they could probably try and do some sort of protege storyline. I imagine. Yeah, seem like it might be going that way. We've so- made sort of Jack- Zach Saber the third comments before about Curtis Chapman, particularly was it the match he had with Ridgeway? Yes, it was, and that felt like this was the kind of start of the this direction for him where he was going to be wanted to be a technical wrestler who was taken seriously and would be hurt by some of the fan comments particularly in the in the sort of cockpit environment it was it was an interesting character you could see where it was going so it's nice how it's um sort of interspersed here with James with James Mason and Zack Sabre Jr. for a, for a match next month. Yeah, and we'll, I'm sure we'll see that go on from there. And I'm sure that'll be a really fun match, something quite different as well, mm-hmm. if anything. And it'll work in that sort of setting. Um, there was another uh, really interesting promo segment we saw where Shah Samuels and Josh Bodum um, tried to recruit Carlos Romo, which was... <laughs> As they do. Random as. And I think we were all like, hey, I'm not sure he really fits with Shah Samuels and Bodum. There was also a great bit where Shah spoke about how they're going to go around the back and have a couple of beers and have a bit of a sing-song to celebrate their victory. Um, And then they sort of confronted, tried to recruit Romo when he came out for his match. Romo was acting very confused and all the rest of it. I think it's going to tie into a match between White Wolf, Bodum, and Samuels. If okay. Because looking at Carlos Romo next to well, Shane they attacked Samuels them, and... didn't they? After the uh, after the end of yeah, the of the, the York Hall match. So the stories are quite consistent. I think. Yeah. It's quite, a, which is a good thing at this point. Um, that led into the Romo David Star match, where Star again was just great. Um, great interaction with the crowd at the beginning of the match. Usual sort of great David Star. I think he's one of the. For me, he's the best guy working in Europe at the moment in mm. terms of his consistency across different shows, um, across different types of matches, different types of characters, subtle um, kind of changes on his character in each promotion he's working regularly. And good match with Carlos Romo. Mm. Um, he was, throughout the match, taking the piss out of him for not being a kid and not having a five-star match and being the other guy. And it really kind of worked as a nice piece of psychology to give the match more of a storyline. So it's random match, and then Star was belittling Romo, winding him up. And then that gave the match a bit more fire, a bit more vigour, and it bought something out of Romo. So that was a really, really sort of good approach to the match. The most notable promo segment from the entire show was a segment that came after the ring had broken <laughs> during the El Fantasmo MK McKinnon match, which I was really looking forward to seeing. Yeah. We unfortunately didn't really get a match from it. The ring broke. They managed to fix the ring. Then the ring broke again. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Did they just go to a finish? Yeah. ELP put McKinnon away straight away. Beforehand, during the first ring break, they were kind of just geeing up the crowd, playing around with the crowd, doing like Triple H spitting bits and pieces. MK McKinnon loves Trent Seven, I suppose. So, uh, okay. Copy the dress sense, copy yeah. the poses. Yeah. Uh, there was a good bit where ELP did it and MK McKinnon decided to be Stephanie McMahon alongside him. That was that was good. Uh, but then they went straight to the finish when the ring broke again. Yeah. And well, that's it, the safest thing to do, isn't it? That's the only sort of course of action if the ring is broke. Absolutely. But at this point, we've got David Starr coming down to confront ELP mm. um, and to complain about Andy Quilden or the rest of it. And he called Quilden down from the commentary position. Now... 
I've seen Corden cut promos before. He's good in the mic. I've spoken near about mm. how I'd love to see him back as the ring announcer. Fuck me, did he cut a promo. He cut an absolutely amazing promo, just completely off the cuff. I think he was pissed off. I think he was frustrated because his ring had broke a couple of times. Yeah. And this was streaming live at the time. So he's understandably annoyed. Wow, did he manage to kind of channel his fire and his anger and put it all towards David Starr and make the announcement of this ladder match at York Hall seem like an absolutely massive deal. It was a really great way of actually advertising the match. I hope they use um, this promo to try and promote the match, post it on their social media. I think that would be a really good step Mm. Um, because it was a great promo. He spoke as well. It was a really good bit where he was was talking about the conspiracy and all the rest of it. And Quilden said to him that the conspiracy was basically that he'd been acting as a bad guy, but he knew that it was a way to get the fans to cheer him the whole time and get the fans on side. And I was like... Oh, that's an interesting way to spin this. So, yeah, really interesting way to acknowledge the fact that he's being cheered constantly, even mm. though he's meant to be a heel. Uh, really good sort of back and forth. Start, top form again. Ended with Al Phantasmo hitting Star as Star went to hit Quilden with his belt. And Al Phantasmo just got in there with a super kick. Just a great promo segment that I recommend anyone go and watch because really great storytelling. Where did it take place? Because obviously it the ring is broke. It took place in the ring. <laughs> okay. It sort of started outside the ring. It was all a bit awkward. And then it took place in the ring, but around sort of the sides of the ring. And then the super kick took place in the middle. So we sort of collapsed oh, in okay. this broken ring. And then Quilden at the end of his promo just went, and looking at the state of the ring, we may as well have another 10 minute intermission while we try to fix it. So then we had another intermission. So the show ended a bit late, understandable. Um, yeah, but, I can't imagine anyone's annoyed about that. No, but they basically had to strip... It's force majeure, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they had to strip the ring and yeah. start from kind of square one. I saw the they put a time-lapse video up of them fixing it. Oh, did yeah. they? That's quite a cool move. So I was following this as it was going on because it was live on the on-demand. Mm. I wasn't aware this was this was the case. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but... Um, so, but on Twitter, I was following it and following what was going on. I saw that the ring had broken, and then obviously messaged you, and and you told us what was going on. But they managed to get it fixed in ten minutes. It was about fifteen twenty. Yeah, Meh. yeah, yeah. But they, <laughs> it's a complicated thing. Yeah. It's a ring. There's a lot of of different elements to it. It was f- kind of fascinating what should it be done to be honest. Yeah, they had everyone all hands on deck down there doing it. And then they gave a mic to El Phantasmo and basically got him to kind of keep the fans entertained by sort of walking around asking fans questions. I think he made a few fans feel quite awkward. Um, okay. Should have come to me. I'd have given him all the answers he would have wanted. <laughs> I think they would have feared that on the VOD, uh, wouldn't they, if they put that on there? Uh, mate, it would have been money. It's good, it's good for him to do that because, I mean, he's really improved. It gets Obviously. him over as a human being with the yeah. fans more as well. I was, I was going to say, that kind of interaction, that's not going to do him any harm. I, it's I, always going to be an area that really he's going to be he's, that he's going to be working on and and needs to work on as well. But this is a very natural, organic way of being able to do it and being there, being able to interact with the fans. So, I mean, it's what, is it, what are they doing? They're making the best of a bad situation. Yeah, it yeah. let him show some personality to the yeah. regular cockpit fans. He's over with anyway, but I think he'll be over mm. more as a result of being able to do that live mic stuff. He said his intention for this year as well is to get four and a half stars from Dave Meltzer. <sighs> well, he he's going to be in the best of the Super yeah, Juniors. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd kind of like to think there'd be a positive 
possibility of, of one match where he'll go absolutely all out. I can um, see him doing it. He's like structurally, we've we've sort of seen him ever since he kind of broke really when he first came over to the UK and he wasn't someone who impressed us. I mean, he was carrying a lot of heft. Mm. He was carrying a lot of bulk and obviously he's he's trimmed right down and it just he moves and he flows, but there's less of these kind of dead moments yeah. when he's sort of selling a big move that he's hit. It feels like there's more urgency within Absolutely. that. And that's helped because you have the development of the character at the same time as well. And the I mean, the only thing I've ever been very fearful of is is him going toe-to-toe with Star in promos because Star is so good and he's so good at eviscerating people as well. And I, I don't want to see that happen to him necessarily in the ring. But, I mean, this is obviously, as you said, it's leading to the ladder match. Well, that's like the ladder match gets four and a half stars. That's, <laughs> that, I mean, yeah. I mean, because obviously we were very down on the last Your Call show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if it needed that ladder match. The, this feud has gone a while. It's been a really good feud. But yeah. Star was missing on that show. There was a big David Star base hole. But mm-hmm. I'm re- like, this got me back to York Hall this match it's a match I really want to see they've been mm-hmm. hyping it for a while I've never seen a ladder match at York Hall um, yeah. indie ladder matches can sometimes be a bit ropey oh it scares you just decent ladders yeah. decent ladders uh, Progress have got this um, TLC match on the same oh. day as the next cockpit show um but Progress's track record in TLC matches, the... Yeah, uh, we're going to come on to that in a bit, but yeah. Yeah, the tag team we shouldn't mention. I I know Jim Smallman has mentioned about um, they've got a new table supplier. Good. For this as well. Well, let's hope we get some decent ladders for this match at your call as well, because it's a match that people are looking forward to. I hope it goes on last. I really hope it's the main event of that show. I think it will be a hot crowd vying for El Fantasmo to win that belt as well. And it'd be different to everything else that would have gone on before it as well, because exactly. it is unique. You don't want that in the middle of middle of the card, really. Even going into an... I can see the temptation in doing that, but, I mean, for me, you could close out the first half of the show with what is the other announced match. Well, I'm sceptical it's going to end up being like this, but Suzuki Gun versus Aussie Open. Yeah, it's a bit of a confusing one, that one, isn't it? Considering mm. the result of the match last month between mm. CCK and Aussie Open, which I think has led to Aussie Open feeling less over as a result of that. Yeah. It's a very strange one. Um, I think Aussie Open needed a hot win after a hot match to go into this rematch, if anything. Yep. And they needed to maybe make a challenge at the end of the match for the next York Hall show. But yep. hey... Really smart move to announce the ladder match the day before York Hall show tickets went on sale, yeah. though. I thought that was a really good move um, on Rev Pro's part. So, yeah, things looking a bit brighter for Rev Pro after a... It's been an awful start to the year. It's not been a good start to the year. There's a bit of bad luck with the ring as well, but that mm. shouldn't overshadow what was otherwise a really, really fun show. Yeah, um, yeah a, a show with a great main event and some really fantastic promo segments. Quilden's promo, go out your way to see it. It's great stuff. Um mm. Moving on from that, uh, we both watched the latest Progress show. I know we spoke yep. briefly about Progress there, um, and we spoke about the ladder, the TLC matches coming up in Progress. Mm. Now, did you want to speak about the match that led to the TLC match first of all? Yeah, um, it was uh, it was the match I was most looking forward to when I saw that this card was announced. Um, that was Aussie Open Swords of Essex. I thought, on the whole. I, I liked it. It was five minutes too long. It felt like there was uh, the finish just should have happened earlier and it kind of felt at that point like it was losing pace. Um, although I did enjoy the kind of hokiness of the finish that led up to it. So 
what happened at the end is is that Davis saw that Osprey was going to hit him with one of the belts. So removed the belt, was tempted to hit himself, gave it to the referee. As the referee's putting the belt back, Osprey hits him with the second uh, tag belt, thus winning, um, just winning the match and leading to uh, Mark Davis cashing in his natural progression shot um, to get uh, a tag title shot. At the, is, is that the next uh, yeah, boring show? show? And that's going to be uh, a TLC match, which one it gives me flashbacks, obviously, to the Eddie Dennis, Mark Andrews TLC match. And also the um, Tommy End and yes. Michael Dante versus Oh, yes, London the Riot Sumerian match. Death Squad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where you uh, had a good word with uh, the Sumerian Death Squad afterwards, didn't you? Bad, uh, bad tools. What could they do with it? Yeah, bad tools, lads. Bad tools, Tommy lads. End wasn't happy about that, was he? He wasn't, no. <laughs> um, but at least he had your sympathy. He did. Yeah, so Progress's record in TLC matches is shocking, to be honest. Um, so, you know what? I, I loved this match. I really did. Mm. I thought it was super creative. I think that the Swords of Essex are... If, if they were tagging full-time, I think they'd be the best tag team in the world. And I say that confidently. Mm. I think... Os- well, Osprey's different level. I think Robinson looks even more confident with yeah. Osprey alongside him. I think some of their double-team combinations are fucking awesome. I loved some of the stuff in it. That moment where... Uh, Robinson was on Osprey's shoulders. Yes. They basically did the weirdest doomsday device. Yes, yeah, I've they ever did. seen when he was on his knees. Ridiculous, but super creative. Mm. Really fun, really innovative match. Um, yeah, I think it went five minutes too long. Mm. And I think it got a little bit contrived, a little bit overbooked towards the end. But up until that last five minutes, this was such a fun match. This mm. was one of the best tag matches I think I've ever seen in progress. Possibly, okay. High praise, I know. Yeah. Um, I think I'm just a, I've just got hard on for Osprey basically when he's in a More wrestling ring. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think his presence in the ballroom as well gives the show something else. I've not been tempted to go to the ballroom for a long time, but if Osprey's on the card, I've been a bit gutted. I've missed a few of these matches. He is someone that could potentially get me there if he's tagging with Robinson. Well, it's a it's an interesting one with Osprey and the way he's used in progress because. To their credit, they use him in an entirely different way to yep. what everybody else uses him, and it's not even it's not it's different types of matches. The matches aren't necessarily about him. It's, it feels like an entirely different persona, even away from cocky Will Ospreay to a certain degree. It feels more dangerous Will Ospreay because he's with dangerous Paul Robinson. <laughs> um, I think it's uh, a light that they were able to have a match that gelled because obviously the first one you had Robinson's injury. And that did hinder the match, even though they were able to carry it through. And Osprey's fantastic, so he was able to direct traffic in that way, and and it worked out okay. So I'm glad it's going to a three match series. I'm also glad that the shot for the natural progression title isn't yet another number one contender for a world title. Now we may disagree on this. We do, but I think given the announcement about the Atlas title and. The fact that you'll only have three titles there, which I'm actually a fan of having less titles. I'm I'm okay with the fact if this leads to a substantial Aussie Open run, uh, run, there's a massive asterisk next to that, whether or not that takes place. But something to kind of elevate <coughs> elevate the tag belts for it. But I hand over the floor. I don't I don't agree with you at all there. I okay. think natural progression. Let's take the term progression, right? 
Aussie Open have been tag team champions. What's progressive about Mark Davis going for a tag title again after he's lost two matches here? Um, generous, I'll say that. Lo- must love Carl Fletcher, but to me, it's the equivalent, almost the equivalent of like um, a Toppy Stenders star, like a Martin Kemp or a Ross Kemp. No relation. Uh, signing those ITV contracts for these shite mm. ITV dramas in the late 90s. That one progress. Ultimate Force one progress. I want more Grant Mitchell. Yeah, all right. Ross Kemp on gangs. Ross Kemp in Afghanistan or the other stuff. That was progress. He's, I'm calling him Ross Kemp rather than Grant Mitchell. The fact I'm doing that is progress because for me, I thought he'd be Grant Mitchell for life. But him and Steve Owen, Martin Kemp, doing these sideways moves to ITV for megabucks, one progression. It was not progression. It was a sideways okay. step. And I think this is a sideways step for Davis as well. I think they really had a chance with Davis to elevate him. Now, could they have given him the match with Walter at Super Strong Style rather than Trent Seven? You've got a WWE versus WWE match right there, haven't you? Yeah. In super strong style. So maybe there's some sort of political motivation that's going on there with WWE wrestlers putting WWE wrestlers. Yeah, I was going to say, you can kind of... Can you have the finish you want to have? Exactly. Yeah. So it feels like <laughs> there's this area where these wrestlers are going to end up facing one another constantly mm. because there's issues when it comes to maybe talent going over these WWE talents if anything I don't know that for certain but on this show you had Devlin Banks as well mm. okay mm. that was another match of a non-finish but again it's two WWE wrestlers you had Walter going over Chris Ridgeway on this mm. show as well so I'm, I'm fine with those results, but I'm just wondering whether the politics on the WWE side of things are going to start Booking restrictions. Think about yeah. DNR against Haskins, right? Mm. No WWE talent there, okay? So you've got like these matches that are carefully put together where the WWE talent are now. Mm. Just a little bit frustrating. And I think, yeah, there was an opportunity for Davis to progress, whereas I think this is Davis very much staying at... The same level, which is okay, I suppose, because I love Aussie Open as a tag team. Mm. But I do think there's more you could maybe do with Davis. I would agree with you that there's very much the Davis run. I would see the booking of the WWE talent is not entirely dissimilar to what OTT have done with New Japan talent, where True. where like you have those matches in kind of a bubble and a vacuum. I think the 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 issue obviously between the two promotions is that Progress is a storyline promotion as well. And obviously mentioned that there are these other angles going on at, going on around the same and time. And both the guys have got both guys have got their belt. A WWE guys and two WWE guys are going to be in these unification matches, mm. <laughs> which is uh, which. As a really quick note, are we in favour of a unification match? Well, they killed the Atlas title, didn't they? Once yeah. Walter um, didn't have the Atlas title and he just gave it up, and then we got Joseph Connors being put yeah. into a random match for an Atlas belt, and Doug Williams, after oh. losing every match he'd ever had in progress, won the belt, and then went on his, I don't know, Mark Fowler tour around the world. Uh, Trent Seven's been booked in comedy matches. They've deemed the belt meaningless. Um, it's, a, it's a shame, but I suppose when you hang around with the road dog... Uh, for so long, you do sort of give belts that kind of meaningless distinction, if anything, don't you? So, yeah, mid-card belt at the moment. It's a bit of a shame. So, yeah, I can't see any reason for the Atlas belt to stay around, which, well, which there's, sucks. There's a couple of very sort of 
serious practical reasons with it as well. There is only so many wrestlers in the country who are two hundred five uh, over two hundred and five pounds legitimately. I know, obviously, I say they've played very hard and fast with that rule in the past, but effectively, um, you know, there's only a finite amount of of things you could do with it. Um, I'm a fan of promotions, you know, not having to deal with too many belts at the same time. It's my one of my big bugbears about New Japan is, you know, you could cull half the titles really and what would you actually lose from from it other than I can we can headline a Kurokan show. show. Anyway, digress. Um back overall to the cards and um, we've been talking around it but Walter Chris Ridgeway. Um this was effectively Ridgeway's big match within the promotion. How do you reckon he did? <sighs> I think I think he under delivered. I think people were expecting a little bit more. I think I was. Um, it's why I want to see Benno replace him in Ambition on the weekend. Um, <laughs> I want to see what he's been seeing on Sh- Shogun or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I think Ridgeway didn't bring it. I think what we learned from this is Ridgeway's fine, but he's not ready, and he's not at the level of a of a Walter. Ultimately, mm. I thought that the match was kind of just there. Um, I think. With this sort of match, there's a very simple structure that you can employ. Big guy, little guy, little guy, um, really good with his strikes, really good with his kind Mm. of MMA, martial arts, or whatever it is. Um, It didn't really... They tried to work it around that, but I didn't feel it worked. It felt like a weaker version of like a Walter Speeble Mike Bailey match to me. Um, I thought at times there were moments where Ridgeway looked a bit ridiculous. So there was a moment where he was doing some of his like kicks and sort of flying around the ring and mm. Walter just walked out the way and Ridgeway just looked a bit of an idiot, <laughs> if anything. And it's kind of not what you want this underdog babyface challenger looking like in this sort of match, I thought. Um, yeah, I just didn't think there was a lot of intensity to this one. I, did, I don't think Ridgeway's got a lot of charisma. Um, I think he's just a bit bland and a bit generic as a as a personality. And yeah, you can kind of say that's part of the persona. But Steve Blackman <laughs> mm. <laughs> only got so far, didn't he? And he's he's better than than Steve Blackman, but I would agree in terms of the, the carry- lethal weapon. The he was awful. Mate, he's not had a match as good as... Was it King of the Ring where he came out in the, with, along with Shane O'Mac? And like wow. Yeah. He's not had a match as good as oh. Steve Blackman versus Shane McMahon at SummerSlam 2000. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's a that's a cracking match. He always works his way into it, doesn't he? Shane McMahon somehow. Well, somehow ends up being... Yeah. Well, he's money at the end of the day. And he's got more charisma than Chris Ridgway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think we all want... Ridgway's another guy that we all want to be good isn't mm. he we all want him to make that step up these opportunities have opened up to guys and I just think there are guys who just aren't ready yet I'm not saying Ridgeway will never be ready mm. but watching him here he fell out of his depth I thought um, he didn't bring it in terms of his kind of intensity that we've seen in other matches kind of on the undercard before mm. um, I didn't f- like Walter gave him a bit I didn't feel like Walter sold too much for him at times mm. as well and I sort of understood that as well if I'm honest with you um, yeah it wasn't a match that I was into and I've got no real desire to see Ridgeway main event in shows at this point I think 
and I kind of generally agree with all. I think I'm a little bit higher on the match than than what you are. I th- I thought it was it was fine. The main issue I had going in was the believability issue. I didn't believe that Ridgeway was going to win and win the title. It it just wasn't a scenario I could envisage envision happening. Um, it wasn't something that had been built to well enough. And like you, I feel like there's there's things around the character and about how it engages. They've kind of you know. Part of his offence, I think, at times can kind of feel almost theatrical in terms mm. of the movement. Mm. There are sometimes he does like a the sort of handstand kick and whatnot, and it feels kind of out of place for what the kind of character is, because then that's that's kind of incorporating a kind of theatrical style of re- of of wrestling, and I'm not a fan of that. If you're a striker, be a striker, and and kind of try and perfect that art to work in a worked environment, but not try and um, kind of add that theatrical element. So those, those are a couple of things for me that, that I kind of, I, I'm i more down on. I, I just think it takes time. It takes exposure at this point. There are opportunities out there. Yeah. It depends what happens. And it's, again, we're talking about sort of third tier of promotions on a worldwide scale. If we're thinking within the UK and you have your sort of, your, your progress and your Rev Pro and your Fight Club Pros in terms of the, the tiers of promotions that go on around the country, it's it's him trying to almost sort of find himself moving within that. If he's able to work some WXW, I think that would be... Um, and he is, obviously, he's doing the Ambition Tournament as well. But seeing if they're going to be able to do anything with the environment, because I mean, if you think of Timothy Thatcher, for example, and, and where he is, and how we both felt about Timothy Thatcher, I know you in particular, you'd seen some, some kind of horrific matches, but he sort of... I think since coming over to Europe, has sort of found himself I more as a wrestler. I think he's very different talent, though. Like, yeah, uh, but they're Rid- not. Ridgeway is a lot more athletic. Than, yeah. than Thatcher is. But they found themselves as characters. Yeah, I, like, get, I get what you're saying. Thatcher found himself as a character in Europe, and it might be a case where you know it's seeing what change of scenery, what promotion works well for him, and he might through sort of whether it's. Um, good fortune or sort of really clever bookings or find himself in a character that kind of connects. Yeah, I hope so. To yeah. make a comparison point, he reminds me a little bit of Davy Richards, but he reminds me of Davy Richards. I'm not a Davy Richards fan, I've got to say. Never have been. Uh, dark Age of Ring of Honor when him and Eddie Edwards were on top. Jesus, that was bleak. Um, but Davy Richards, there used to be a little bit of kind of muster and vigour on mm. his strike. And he, I don't know, there was a bit more presence and personality with the way he was using his body to get a match over. It looked like he was really trying to win the match. I just wasn't getting that from Ridgeway. I didn't feel mm. that there was that urgency in the sort of approach of the character and the way he was putting that little bit extra on his strikes to get over in the match. And I just, I don't know, I just really feel mm. like it's missing. And it's something that at this point in time, needs to improve quickly. <laughs> yeah. Because we're really wanting these guys to take that next step. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's partly the pressure that we bring on them themselves because we have a situation throughout the country where a lot of the, the talent that, that would have been around the, the main event scene aren't there anymore. And they're not likely to be anytime soon other than sort of odd appearances. So, yeah, it's it was an interesting... Interesting one um, to put him in there. It's. It, I wonder what they do now. How do they sort of do? Any, what do they do with him? Who do they put him in there with in terms of of a storyline um, 
what are they going to try and do with him as a character as well? There's lots of different angles um, that hopefully they're going to be able to go down and hopefully they find something for him. Anything else on the show that you wanted to note at all? Well, I don't know. For me, I mean, it felt, if you just say as an overall point, it felt like I thought it was it was okay. It was, it was fine as a show, but there wasn't like anything for me really outstanding as a hook. I know you're higher on the Aussie Open Swords match than me, but it didn't feel like there was like the really great match. There was a couple of things in there. I, I'm worried for the uh, Do Not Resuscitate storyline. Ah, it's dead. I, it feels like it's dying. Um, it feels like it's it just stale. And it, it, the thing about this as a match, and there was an issue I kind of had with three of the first four matches in the in the first half of the show had interference in them. And it felt like two of the sets of interference is sort of felt rather, I don't know, um, somewhat point, uh, not pointless, but you just had going to a DQ finish. Yeah, It was like a very sort of, sort of flat finish for it so you had do not resuscitate running in and doing it um, in the opener against sort of Haskins in this uh, window dressing for a Jimmy Havoc return well basically. this is the thing how many like they were talking about is the real Jimmy Havoc coming back I, I maybe it's me but have we not seen this before look I'm more excited for MLW Jimmy Havoc and yeah. AEW Jimmy yeah. Havoc at this point like for me his stuff in progress now this is a payday for him and it's I, I don't care anymore um, he's peaked in progress he's never going to get back to that point is he let's be honest and these do yeah. not resuscitate guys they just look like a bunch of chumps don't they you got Mambo and his stupid tight there's real potential of what you could do with the Mambo Hill character Spike Trevay as a promo I mean, it's, but it's how you build them. It's I think how it's, you establish them. I think it's them. partly on the guys as well. Um, look, Just look at them as a stable. It looks mm. like a bunch of odds and ends. Like They look That's like a it. bunch of guys yeah. that have just been thrown together. You've got some Tory guy in his check trousers. You've got some guy who looks like he should, I don't know, be a drum tech for Bring Me the Horizon. And you've got some bloke who looks like he should be with Andrew Ridgely down in Newquay trying to be a shit version of George Michael while surfing with him. Like, it's just crap. And who's the... Ah, oh, Pastor no, William Eva. Ah, Bray Wyatt cosplay. Which like, is which is the other issue with this uh, angle, is you have this faction kind of feeling like it's them against the world. It doesn't feel the same if one of them isn't there. You know, it doesn't kind of... It yeah. makes them look somewhat weak, whereas at the same time, if you're keeping them strong, they should always be together like a kind of tight-knit group yeah, that's able yeah. to attack anyone coming in from the outside. Mate, at this point, it's the job squad. Well, it, it feels very Nexus to me. It started oh, off with, with, with this angle was... that got a little bit of traction and these promos that did. I know it's not as good as the Nexus. The Nexus stuff got traction for a few months. This got traction for about two weeks. And it and it feels like it's gone. It feels like it's around the opening card. You could put the tag belts on them, but ultimately it's... Like, it, what's the direction yeah, here? Yeah, what's the direction here? Which... So you had that, and then obviously we talked about Travis Banks, Jordan Devlin, which I I enjoyed partly because I always enjoy them. They're very, very smooth. I've enjoyed the stuff they've done uh, when they had the match in, in NXT UK. Um, I think they're two excellent wrestlers. Uh, no denying that. For me, this uh, match, Holding somewhat back. Yeah, this match didn't need to exist. Yeah. Um, mm. Couple of WWE guys against each other. We didn't get it in Blackpool. It does feel somewhat wasted on a show like this. Yeah, I mean, this this is a you know 
Jordan Devlin really means something within the world of, of wrestling. And it's just a match. And essentially, I think when you've been given an ending like this, mm. why put the effort in? They could have, they could have uh, go two minutes. I'd mm. rather them go two minutes, get get to the angle, get from A to B, don't hang around for it, if anything. Yeah. And How did you feel about the angle? It was an angle. Um, TK Cooper, I'd love to see him back over, but I'd love to see him where he was. I don't, I don't know if he can get there. I don't know. Did if you see the promo that he put out? No. He, so uh, it'd be interesting to see your reaction to it if you get a chance to see it. So he cut a promo where he was uh, very, very impassioned, talking about how he is now going to be. He's he's now at the bottom and he's going to be building himself up to the top. And he kind of wondered whether or not there was this going to be linked to Do Not Resuscitate. Was it even linked to progress? Was it similar to the Jack Sexsmith promo where it's just a complete change of character? Is this much more of a kind of orthodox baby face. My initial reaction, seeing him come out here, is, is like, is he going to the role of henchman? That's my, that's kind of my concern. If he's going to be forming a t- regular tag team with Niwa, who I don't know if you saw he was on the pre-match against... Yeah, against Sugar Duncan. Exactly, which your psychic powers are pretty oh, awesome no. for that one. Yeah. Um you saying that he should be there in an opening act, and there he was in a pre-show match. Well, let's get him on a let's get him on a card. Let's, let's get film him on a his ca- match and get it on a bloody chapter show. Yeah, yeah. Well, they filmed the match. They put it up on the Facebook feeds. Um, oh, that's yeah. single camera bullshit, though. But let's get no, it on a proper yeah. chapter show. No one's watching matches on Facebook. <laughs> um, but Niwa is someone I saw in Attack when he first came over. He'd been at, um, Johnny Idol in CMLL. And obviously, new New Zealander wrestler, new Travis Banks, who's coming over to try and establish himself. He's got kind of a good size to him as well. Um, I wonder whether or not it's just going to be him and TK as a tag team, along with um, Travis Banks. I think they call themselves South Pacific Power Trip again, um, even though their shirts said Kiwi Club, which um, I think they there was a few references made made to that. Um, yeah, TK Cooper. What do you reckon? I, I hope it works out for him. I, I just think the way that he got over last time was so natural and the dynamic was so good. Mm. But I think we keep seeing him return and they, they could have got him over a year ago when he returned and they didn't get him over. Yep. And they killed him. And they killed him so much that I don't think he's going to get over to the point he was at. I just don't think he is. And it's a massive, massive shame. And it's how you can do damage to someone long term, if anything. Um, what about you? Well, I'd like to see him do well. I mean, I'm kind of more filled with the kind of sadness of not seeing him in really um, great matches again as a as a hot character. With you remember the reaction he got when he left and the reaction he got when he came back. Yeah, and I it, do. And I think that's the thing that almost sticks with you. But bad booking didn't sustain that. But they yeah. didn't let they didn't protect his character. I also think that maybe he could have been. I you know I don't know what goes on backstage. I think he maybe could have been a bit more protective over his character as well possibly I don't know I'm not there Um, but it sucks it Mm -hmm. does suck because he had such potential and I I wish that him and Travis Banks got to have the match against the Young Bucks in PWG because I think that would have launched him on a kind of a world scale so they would have killed it Um, we had a couple of women's matches on this show yep Let's be honest, second on the card, of course, yeah. where else? And then third, but not a lot to write home about, just a couple of matches. I I thought, you know, given a little bit more time, Millie McKenzie B. Priestley could be capable of something yeah, um, it was quite, quite good. It was fine. Yeah. Um, Ginny Nina Samuels, no. Um, 
No, no. Uh, bored Ginny on offence for it. I was just like not buying it at all. Uh, Trent Seven, um, Timothy Thatcher. Didn't like it. Boring. Let's move on. Anything to say? Not really for that. It it feels like uh, we were talking at the beginning about sort of the Atlas title. It, yeah, felt very. Di- if you do these kind of open challenges for too long, they always do feel somewhat directionless. I'm also worried about the sort of direction of Timothy Thatcher in progress, where he sort of comes in hey, and he has a match. Yeah. He's there and he's he's there because he's part of Ring Camp. Whereas, and we're going to talk about him in WXW and sort of where he would fit into the 16 character tournament. There's been, you know, WXW released a great promo where he was basically saying, look, other people are making other choices. Um, and none of it feels like it's present here. He he comes in, he does Timothy Thatcher, he has the match, and sometimes he'll go over and sometimes he doesn't, yeah, and that's it. He's just there, and sometimes he'll fill in and give Chris Brooks a tag partner for the month. So yeah. there you go. Um, right. Anything else to say about this? I thought the crowd was really quiet again. Yeah, I, I did. That ballroom atmosphere has dissipated. Um, I think Smallman's act is old. It's not cool anymore. I'm tired of seeing it. I won't lie. I mean, it, it, I was I fast forward through it. So because, do I. Because I've seen it before, a, but it was like 10 minutes or so. I'll be honest, yeah. where my TV is in my front room... Um, if my girlfriend's not in, I've, like the downstairs toilet is at an angle where I get a really good view of the TV. So, like, if it's sort if it's something I don't need to concentrate on too much, or I can just have them in the background. Football's good for it. Match of the day off and I'm taking a big shit. So I was I a match finished, and when I saw some of his shtick because I was taking a shit at the time, and the computer was plugged into the TV, so I couldn't get up and run it uh, mid shit, unfortunately. Uh, um, so. Smallman shtick for me is, you know, kind of shit material yeah. at this point. You know, good bog material. Um, like a copy of Viz or something, maybe. Anyway, um, you didn't need to know that, but you do. Um, that's why I suppose people come back and listen to this, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, something fresh is needed there. It's yeah. stale. It's old hat at this point. Anyway, moving on. Uh, somewhere where there won't be a crap atmosphere. Well, it wasn't a crap atmosphere, but somewhere where there'll be a vibrant, oh, rapturous, yep. a really inclusive atmosphere will be 16 Carat Weekend. Yeah, the Turban Haller. Not the usual tu- not the usual hall, slightly bigger one. One uh, holds, I think, or they could possibly get 1,500 in. I know... At time of recording, it's looking like about 1,300 tickets per day. So around 4,000 tickets sold for those three events. Um, It's rapidly becoming, for me, and, and, you know, uh, the go-to wrestling weekend in Europe. Yeah, this is the destination weekend, isn't it? I think think there's far more prestige to this than there is, say, Super Strong Style at this point. Yes. not to say Super Strong Style is bad, I've always enjoyed it. Yeah. But yeah, there's something about Carrot, there's something about um, the location, there's something about the setting. Yeah. Um, there's something about the way people travel over for it in kind of doves, if anything. Yeah. Or droves, I should say. Doves, what am I about? Well, we're going to be on like a 7am flight and no doubt there'll be a load of people who are making their way over. And that will be happening all day throughout Britain, throughout Thursday and Friday, uh, Britain and Ireland throughout Thursday and Friday. It's 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 a destination event for wrestling fans from the UK and Ireland. Absolutely, some of the events coming up as well. There's so yep. much coming up over the course of the weekend. Um, we're lucky enough to kick it off with um, in a circle on yes. Thursday night. 
um, which is sort of what 150 fans at the yeah. WXW. Well, I'd, I'd say even less than that. So it's your first time going to an Assert, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right. So me and Benno went out. Obviously, we were there for Tag League. Um, it's fascinating because it sort of takes place in what looks like a big garage, basically. Um, round the back and they've got the ring the commentators are balanced incredibly precariously above looking down I think say about 150 I'd say closer to sort of 120 it's like really kind of niche wrestling there's you don't sit down everyone starts shouting about how they're in Tim's house mine is in a literal way because the house where uh, a lot of the wrestlers live is literally next door to this venue um, if you need to go to the toilet, you have to go downstairs and you pass by the sort of big laundry room and there's all these posters up of WXW events from the past. Um, yeah, it's really unique. Um, they've got a couple of really interesting matches, one of which I'm, I'm quite surprised by and looking forward to. There might have been some more announced at this stage, but Ilya Dragunov, Mark Davis. That's a cool match to yeah. see in front of that sort of crowd, definitely. Absolutely. Um, and then... They've got Ringkampf, um, obviously Volta and Timothy Thatcher, versus um, Yuki Ishikawa and Shigehiro Irii, um, okay. which I imagine is going to be a brutal affair. I mean, we both, you know, being honest, I I've, wasn't aware of the of the work of Yuki Ishikawa. I, I probably had heard the name. In some ways, I think of the um, Ishikawa who's been in in. All Japan and Noah and worked as a freelancer um, for God knows how long, but this uh, should be fun from everything we've read about him and, and what he's what he's done. Looks so. like he lost to Rampage Jackson in MMA as well. So yeah, that's young Rampage <laughs> in two thousand and one. Yeah, yeah, lovely stuff. But, uh, sorry, yeah, sorry, you were going to say some sort of battle arts? Is that the promotion? That yeah, he, he set up? it looks like it, that's where he was. I knew nothing about the guy, a bit of FMW work well. shoot. Yeah, apparently beat Bob Backlund in uh, Battle Arts. Um, what a weird match I imagine that would have been. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, well, it'd be interesting to see him. I suppose we can, before we go on to 16 mm. ourselves, I suppose we can look forward to seeing um, Ishikawa in the Ambition Tournament. Oh, yes. Which is the, in case anyone doesn't know, it's the shoot-style tournament which WXW hold on the morning of night two. At, well, at morning, well, lunchtime. It's the afternoon, it? so in the yeah. morning of night two. And in fact, it's probably a good time to go through all of the events in terms of the order order they go Let's through. Go but for yeah, ambition go on, go for ambition so first. Yeah, Ishikawa has a super fight on that show with Timothy Thatcher, which I'm sure will be a interesting affair. Last year it was Volta versus Matt Riddle as the shoot as the yeah, yeah. Um, super fight. Here, this one is he trained under Ishikawa. That's, oh, okay, that's the, cool. That's what they've been saying saying about. It's that. a shame not to have Matt Riddle there this year, isn't it? Oh, it is. Don't get me started. I'll be in tears. <laughs> Go on, feel free. No, I'm not going to do it. I'll, I'll get started. It's a real shame not to have him there, isn't it? It is a shame not to have him there. He's perfect. How are you going to cope with him? Perfect. him, perfect. Gonna cope with him I'll, I'll struggle to get by, but I'll somehow manage. You'll have to make friends of A-Kid, won't you? Yeah, next well. Next match against Chris Ridgway, who yeah. we spoke about. I can see this being a good match. Yes. Based on the, what we've seen A-Kid do. Base. I know I've just given Ridgway some stick, but this is obviously his kind of... Mm. It's the wrestling that he loves. It's the wrestling that he... He's invested in. We saw him in um, 
Tetsujin last year was very yep. good. So I can see this be I can see this being a really fun first round. He there. was in Oberhausen last year for six, last sixteen carat, but he was injured, so he had a broken jaw, so he couldn't wrestle. And he was watching the ambition tournament. One of the things he said is he'd love to see matches like this on every, like a match like this on every card. Okay. That's just a bit of variety. Well, we're going to see a lot of them on this card. Yep. Uh, Istria, I've no idea who that is. Excuse my um, ignorance. There's not enough time in the day. Uh, against Danny Jones, who obviously is a Welsh wrestler. Yeah, he um, was in um, All Japan for a while, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I don't know too much about his shoot credentials, or if he's done work shoot stuff before, couldn't tell you. Um, we've then got um, Veit Muller, or Muller, as he's now being billed as here, against WXW's resident commentator... Um, all-round layback guy, Re- Rico yeah, Bushido. Pretty chill, chill. Another one of your mates. Actually, he is a very. He's a he's a lovely bloke, and he goes up. You'll see him. He goes berserk during the commentary as well. So it's actually quite fun. So you'll be cheering on Rico in this one, will you? I will do. Although, and we're gonna. Um, Vite Muller is someone obviously to keep an eye on. He's featured quite heavily within WXW storylines at the moment. A lot of kind of interaction. Could see him winning this one. Yes. I could do. I mean, are we going to make predictions about it? This is the last of the first round match. I think there's there not one more. There's uh, oh, Roman yes. versus Shihiro Irie as well. Yep. But I'll be honest, I'm cheering on Rico Bushido. Do you want to see you have a good time? Yeah. I can imagine the celebration once Rico Bushido wins the Ambition Tournament Trophy will be quite wild. And you'll be at the centre of that. I'll be at the centre of that. Yeah. So I'm all right with that. Go on. Go on, Rico. Um, Roman, he looks like Rob Lias. I have well, no idea who he is. It's quite hard to kind of gauge where who they're going to have in terms of winning the tournament. Roman, um, he is a WXW guy. He was in Ambition last year. He was a late, I think he was the late replacement for Chris Ridgway. Was so he? I yes, don't remember that. Um, so I'd imagine Irie will win. But I mean, again, should be interesting. I mean, he worked the start. I mean, from what I can remember of the of ambition, I really enjoyed it because it's quite a short show as well. Yeah, it's, it's a like good hour and a half. Hour and a half nice matches. Bit, nice bit of Saturday hangover yeah, stuff. Basically, the matches don't exceed the length they should do. They're like generally around sort of five to eight minutes. Yeah. Um, so that's ambition summed up in a nutshell. Really fun show. If you're over there, I'd recommend buying a ticket for that one because it's well worth your time. Um, what else we got going on over there? On the Saturday morning as mm-hmm. well, we've got um, Wrestling Cult, don't we? Which went yes. on last year. I didn't get to Wrestling Cult last year. Need, needed a kip. Sold um, out. Sold out. So pretty impressive stuff. Last year, I was tempted to go because Josh Bowden was on the show. Yes. <laughs> and he didn't turn up. He had a big night in Bournemouth, which he was posting pictures of on That's his Twitter. That's right. So yeah. obviously the ladies of Bournemouth were more appealing than the... Uh, industry of Oberhausen, let's just say. Um, so Wrestling Cult we won't be getting to, but I will be at Wrestling Deutschland 2, mm-hmm. uh, which we went. you didn't go last year. You ended up watching Ireland in the rugby, didn't you? Yeah, which actually they're playing on the Sunday this year at 3 o'clock. So you're so, going to come along this year? So I will be along at Wrestling Deutschland 2 for this one, yeah. it's Obviously, it's not in the same venue as um, the rest of, uh, is it moved? To nah, it's in a place, place called the Steffi, which is just off to the yes. side of the um, Turban Haller. Nice little venue, though. Oh, um, okay. A couple of nice little pillars up nice in there. Different change of scenery as well, isn't it? And you don't want it to be, you know, a lot smaller in the Turban Haller, which is going to be a 
I reckon there'll be more big. demand for this one last year. Last yep. year, I wandered in about two matches into this one, mm-hmm. and it was reasonably full. We could get in easily, but it seems like there's so many more people going this year. Um, I, I want to go and get some lunch between Ambition and Deutschland too. Um, so yep. I'm hoping I can just turn up late for this one and just sort of wander in. I've got to say, I remember last year was the site of some of the kind of trashiest, sleaziest wrestling I've seen in Europe. Oh, which was might, I've seen some, mightily yeah. appealing um, for a one-off. Not something I'd want to do as a review show, uh, yeah. JP. Um, but yeah, as a one-off, it was very, very good fun. I think the best spot I saw last year as well was the Italian Dream um, catching a shooting star press into a code breaker. Uh, stuck in my head all year. Um, yeah, nice little freeway with the um, was it like the cult cup which Josh Bodum had won at some point. That's right. And he wasn't there to defend his cup, unfortunately. Yeah. It shows how much Bodum valued the cult cup, eh? Well, that's terrible. That. So I mean, that's a that's a hell of a day on Saturday itself. On uh, in terms of before you even get to sixteen carat night two, on the and we've mentioned Thursday, you've got the inner circle. Friday, there's a couple of events that are taking place sort of before and after uh, 16 Carat Night 1. Obviously, one of which, well, we can speak a bit more about the end, is the podcast marathon that's going to be taking place. Um, but there is also the Oberhausen Open 2 bowling tournament that's going to be taking place at Nippies, which has got about 118 people in it, which at Tag League, when it first took place, I think there was about 50 odds. Um uh, I know Benno's going to be in it and taking uh, taking part as well. So, I mean, it's... He'll have to find someone to drown his sorrow. Well, no, he's got a big tournament in the morning, hasn't he, with ambition? He, he does, exactly. So he he's watch he's, himself. Yeah, he better pace himself throughout that. Are um, you not bowling, then? I'm not bowling because I'm shit at bowling. Oh. I'm happy to sit there and watch and there's pool tables and stuff like that as well. I thought you were like well. um, John Goodman in Kingpin, mate. You're thinking of Bill Murray in Kingpin. I am thinking of Bill Murray yeah. in Kingpin. I, I wish I was like Bill Murray in Kingpin, but I'm nothing like him. I'm terrible. you more like Mark I probably would have had a few beers. Yeah, that yeah, very beer, much Mark Horrigan. Would you start bowling your shopping? I wouldn't go that far. Watch me bowl. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then obviously, what we're getting on to, which is the... Uh, whole point of the weekend is the three-day 16-carat gold tournament, which is, it was the first time we went to WXW last year. Um, It was something that even though, I mean, as a trip, it was a hell of a trip to remember, um, particularly for you having to run in and grab a lot of my sort of emergency pants because my bag had been stolen and you had to bring them all over to Germany. Yeah, that's some of the worst underwear I've ever seen in my life. They're all burnt, mate. They're all gone. Mate, that was like Primark underwear that was like 10 years old with sagging bottoms and all sorts. You know, I'm a classy guy, aren't I? Uh, Well... I'll wear those fuckers into the ground. (laughs) That's what I'll do. Um, Anyway, uh, what... We what boxers are you wearing now, then? Uh, classy ones, some Calvin Klein's. Fakes from Turkey? Yes. Off the market? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you... I, I reckon I've got six decent months out of them. Okay. At Fair best. Play. At as, best. As the elastic? Holding up. Okay. okay. We'll leave it at that in terms of boxer talk. But yeah, it's holding up. You want to move on from that, do you? I do indeed. I Get away. Uh, you are, you bastard. Day one. Um... It's interesting in terms of the 16-carat tournament this year. Yeah, I'm just going to move straight past that. 
In terms of 16 carat tournaments here, we know what the opening round matches are, but what we don't know is what necessarily the draw is. And at time of recording, there hasn't been anything announced. Um, we don't know what the brackets are, what the possible routes are to the final. So we're kind of left with the 16 competitors in the tournament. And what do you think of this as a field, as a general field of wrestlers? I think it's great. Uh, I think it looks like an absolutely amazing lineup, to be honest with you. Um, I think they've mixed the talent up reasonably well. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of kind of WXW talent versus WXW talent, which is fine, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got Avalanche versus Jan Simmons. You've got Lucky Kid Timothy Thatcher and Dieter returning from NXT to face Marius Alani as well. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I think that the actual selection of matches in this first round looks kind of wild. Ilya Dragunov versus Daisuke yes. Sekimoto. That's a match I want to see. Yep. Mark Davis. I haven't seen him in the flesh, Dice No, nor have I. Moe, so I'm fascinated to see because he's obviously been over in uh, Wolverhampton a couple of times, but never had a chance to you see him. You know what? I have seen him in the flesh. I saw him at Spring Joey Jenner's Spring Break last oh. year, sat at a merch table, and he's the thickest bastard I've ever seen in my life. Like as in thick as in like yeah. body. Yeah, not as in dumb. You just no. see the size of the bloke. The arms and the chest are ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get to see him wrestle, unfortunately. Mark Davis versus Pentagon Jr. That match sounds wild. That's mm. a match that I can't wait to see. That, that I think that should be eight-minute sprint. Just absolutely wild, balls-to-the-wall, crazy shit. Mm -hmm. Lucky Kid Timothy Thatcher, which is a rematch of a match they had last year at 16 yes. Carat, which I absolutely loved. And I'd not seen a lot of Lucky Kid... And I was absolutely sold on Lucky Kid and Timothy Thatcher after that match. Mm. Thatcher in WXW, especially with Turbin Haller, is a completely different talent. Um, his confidence is through the roof in that location. It suits him almost culturally as a character, if anything. And Lucky Kid, I think, has a unique, interesting, really mm -hmm. engaging style that stands out for anyone else. One match I'm not looking forward to during this first round... Chris Brooks, Erie, I'll be honest with you. I, can, I saw that at the cockpit last month and it was fine. Um, mm -hmm. If I need a piss, I'll pop to the pisser during that one. Okay. If you need to change your boxers, maybe during that one. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell do you think is going to happen to me over that, that period of time during the during day one? Um, what? I, no. <laughs> moving on from that. Um, in terms of the other matches we've got in the, the first round, but the, we haven't mentioned so we've got Ray Horace versus Phoenix. Um, now, I the last time I saw Ray Horace I mean, for WrestleMania weekend, he was involved in this wild lucha tag match that was on the Wrestling Revolver show. Um, that was, I oh know, it was the WWN Super Show. It was just absolutely bonkers. And it was great seeing the fact he's in there with Phoenix, who... Um, we've seen the Lucha Brothers a good few times and they're obviously brilliant value as a tag team brilliant in tag league uh, really like Phoenix and really think as a singles there's a real opportunity for him to kind of get over because I mean he's he's able to cut promos in English as well and I think him and Horace they're there to have this fantastic wild Lucha match it's going to be different from everything else it's going to stand out and they're going to be able to go balls to the wall. And I think it's going to get over like a house on fire. Yeah, I think the variety in the first round is yes. great, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. I think you've got a mixture of everything. You've got a wild mix of stars with Davis and Pentagon Jr. You've got a rematch from the Lucky Kids and Thatcher uh, match. You've got Ilya and 
Daisuke Sakamoto, which just seems mad. Well, what do you do with a match like Ilya versus Daisuke Sakamoto? Because I mean, we haven't gone on to predictions. Uh, um, I think Sak- what do you do with a match Sakamoto's like? going over. I think it'll be a. Mm. I've, I I can see them using Ilya in other situations over the weekend, mm-hmm. and I think there are stories you can tell of him over the weekend and stories you can establish with him. Who knows what's going on with him with the WWE status as well? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it's the time to tell the story of Ilya going through 16 Carat. And I think people are really excited to see Sekimoto. It could go either way. I could see, mm. I, I wouldn't be that surprised if Ilya goes over. But I, yeah, I can just see Sekimoto going over. Although I can see Sekimoto maybe losing. And then Walter losing to David Starr, mm. and then them finding a way to do Walter Sakamoto over the weekend as well, possibly. Yeah. So there's a whole variety of things you can do. And with um, Ishikawa there as well, you could maybe team Sakamoto and Ishikawa up at some point over the weekend. Um, I, I can see Timothy Thatcher going far in this year's tournament as mm. well. I've got a feeling he will, but I've got a feeling he might be out by the time of night three because you can always have him and Walter tag as an option as well. Um, but the one match we haven't really spoken about is Star Walter yes. on night one, which is obviously the natural main event and something that I can't wait to see. Um, atmosphere for David Starr in the Turbine Haller last year was absolutely amazing. And I say to the Irish and the British fans, let's go with Star this year, because the Germans love him, and they create a fantastic atmosphere when Star's out there. So just go with it. It'll be better. Yeah, I mean... This is the match of the first round, and it's hard not to mention it because it's part of the reason I think this this night one kind of lineup as a card works is obviously the amount of variety. But you kind of got some matches that relate to WXW storylines. You have got some matches that don't. Some matches that go kind of nowhere, nowhere near that. In say, I don't know, a Mark Davis Pentagon Junior. Here you have almost what is the overarching storyline throughout WXW for the last couple of years which is David Starr's inability to beat Walter well he didn't it sort of started didn't it on the first night yes. of 16 count yes. two years ago yeah. so it feels hopefully like this properly comes full circle now that's two it. years on yeah um, obviously you had David Starr win the right challenge for who he wanted in the first round and he challenged Walter is this the point where David Starr finally wins and we see this as the night one main event as the big kind of closing angle? I think it will really deflate <laughs> the room and the vibe of the tournament a little bit if Walter does go over here. Mm-hmm. I think there is an expectation and I think it is time and we are ready to see it. So I really hope it happens. I'll be really disappointed if it doesn't happen. Let's get behind David Starr because the man is absolute gold. And hopefully by the end of the weekend, it will be 16 carat gold. <laughs> so that's, um, there is, one, there is uh, two other matches as well um, that we haven't really gone into in, in terms of the first round draw as well. But just to quickly mention them because they're actually tying in with what I saw for WXW. Um uh, the road to Bielefeld card that they just had, which is like the last stop to 16 carat. It's Avalanche Jern Simmons, which they played out as a wild match. Uh, it's, it's like a wild rematch from um, Avalanche trying to earn his way into the tournament there. It's, it's falls count anywhere because they had the match. It was no count out. They brawled to the back. Then they kind of disappeared and they had another match in between. Then they brawled their way back in again. And then they went away. And then they brawled their way back in. They went outside. Then at one point, Yearn 
reached, ran away, reached into his trunks, grabbed his car keys out, got in the car, drove off as Avalanche was chasing him. So it was absolutely bonkers. And Sounds I think, like a WWE hardcore match. But weirdly, it worked. It also reminded me of a... Um, I'm trying to think of the gimmick Crash Holly used to have back in... 24-7. Yeah, but what his name was um, back in the day was a match between him and Vic Grimes in APW. And they used the car during it as well. Anyway, it's a wild hardcore match. I'm sure it's out there on YouTube. Um, This one is going to be an interesting one because I actually think Avalanche is someone who I could see them getting really invested with over the weekend. Winning it, probably not. Um, But I could see Avalanche going really far. Um, also, I'd say as well, they've got Axel Dieter Jr. versus Marius Alani. I really enjoyed the Marius Alani match, um, and I'm kind of enjoying his heel character, Shotgun Champion, building him up. But obviously, here he's up against Axel Dieter Jr. Uh, it's like, well, what do we do there with Axel Dieter Jr.? I, I can't see Marius Alani winning, even though he's the Shotgun Champion. I imagine they want a shotgun defense for later on. Um, so it's it's a hell of a lineup. I mean, you've mentioned one match you're not particularly looking forward to, which will probably be absolutely fine. But seven of eight matches is pretty damn good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. And and do you have a tip for the tournament? Oh, it's got to be Star, hasn't it? Yeah. I hope it's Star. I I thought uh, Star versus Thatcher final is what I could see there because they both got storylines that kind of feel like a culmination, and whoever wins, you've kind of got a fifty-fifty decision there. So I. Th- that's the direction I go now. It's kind of brave putting two Americans in the tournament final, but I wouldn't want to see Thatcher in the final. I don't think. Um, I don't know who I'd have in the final. I suppose Ilya might work in the final against Star. Mm. I could see that possibly if he does go over Sakamoto. Yeah, it's a tough one. Dita, would they push him as far as the final? Could see Alani get into the final as well, possibly. Well, they do like the surprise because obviously none of us picked Andy last year. Nope. And it was a brilliant decision. Yeah, it was. That's worked out to be a masterstroke. And obviously, you know, we're going to see Andy on night two. We'll come to in a bit. There's a couple of other matches for night one. Uh, yeah, there's a four-way with Veit Muller, Carl Fletcher, Julian Payson, Leon Van Gestern. Gastern. I oh, wouldn't sorry. sleep on that one. That one could be quite fun. Leon I'm Van sure Gastern has a match against Marius Alani. What I predict from this is Mark Davis is going out of the tournament in the first round and then he'll do matches with Carl Fletcher over the weekend. Okay. Could see that. Yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah. Uh, night two, uh, I think main event. We've got yep. Absolute Andy and Bobby Guns for the WXW world title. Yeah. What do you reckon of this? I think, and this is following the storylines from that, they've had uh, a great 10-minute documentary on Bobby Guns that was on um, WXW Now that I'd recommend watching, um, where he's talking sort of a bit about his his home life and, and growing up. And he's there with his brother, who's also a wrestler who's been out for a while, Vinnie Vortex. Um, what I can see happening, and they've pl- put Vinnie Vortex in, they've put him into the angle. He was super kicked by Andy at the... Um, uh, dead end where um, where Bobby Guns earned the title shot it, I can see his brother turning on him as like the kind of great angle and going with Andy that's what I would predict have happened and Andy being the ever brilliant cheating bastard that he is will go over and keep the title and it'll be like the real road to building Bobby Guns up as the next guy And then we've got, uh, I think this is night three. Uh, you got Tony Storm, Killer Kelly. Um, this one is, uh, is it time to take the belt off Tony Storm, That's frankly? WWE match. 
It is, but Killer Kelly actually was in a dark match at the Coventry tapings. I don't know if she featured on any TV matches over the weekend. What would you do here? Would you... I mean, for me, I'd actually put the belt on Killer Kelly. She's someone who is around there. She lives there. I mean, I think the issue with Tony Storm is it's going to be harder and harder to kind of have her there other than these kind of special attraction weekends. And she, frankly, should be wrestling main roster WWE anyway. So... I would like to personally, you know, see Killer Kelly win win that one as well. Fair enough. Yeah. And then we've got night three, where we have no matches announced so far. Yeah. But over the course of the weekend, the card will take shape, and I'm sure we'll all go home very happy uh, after a great weekend. Yeah. Or like last year, where the no one saw um, Andy winning, so there was this kind of beating David Star help shocked the crowd were when that happened and how deflated but you know what not every story has to be happy unhappy stories let's hope we get get a happy story this year Mm. with David Starr receiving a gold star as he receives the 16 karat gold trophy and goes on to glory victory and proclaims himself as the king of European wrestling right now <laughs> or king of indie wrestling because my god is that man great yeah. and let's hope we get some fire promos as well <laughs> anything else to add? Um, one thing I do want to mention and this was something we were going to do as a shout out to anyone listening is obviously we are taking part in the uh, podcast marathon um, that's that's taking place on Friday afternoon at three o'clock at the House Union Oberhausen. Um, we're going to be there. We're going to be there live. Um, we've got twenty five minutes. How the fuck I do it was we twenty? Oh, 20 minutes. How the fuck do we condense this into twenty minutes? It's just us two. We haven't got Benno here, and we've gone an hour and a half. Fucking hell! I don't want to go to bed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I need to go and get my beauty sleep before stepping on stage. Um, yeah, come along. Um, I'm sure you know you'll get plenty of what you get when you listen to us in audio form. Except you'll get to see our ugly faces this yes. time. Um, I think you'll do your hair especially, won't you? I will do. I might even uh, trim this disgrace of a beard at the minute to make sure that I look halfway decent before walking out on a stage. <laughs> and I feel like a complete moron. I'll be wearing a Rick Rude t-shirt or something along those lines. That's the kind of thing that I would normally end up doing. Um, yeah, really looking forward to it. I hope you come along. Um, we were going to ask. We don't know if we are going to be able to get round to answering some of these, but we thought if you do have any particular questions and you'd like to share them with us so we can at least prepare an answer, um, if you want to use the hashtag again, Ask Rev Joe. Um, <laughs> yeah, love that, don't you? Um, to use that again and then ask us any questions. And hopefully if we don't garble on about all manner of bollocks like we normally do, then we'll hopefully get round to answering answering a few of them. Yeah, if uh, your boxer shorts don't dominate conversation, no. uh, we'll see what happens. But maybe if I don't want to answer questions, I'll just distract by talking about your boxer shorts for ages. Oh, so I think you will do. Watch out for distractions tactics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we might see you Friday. Um, if we don't, um, and you're not going to 16 Carat, tune in next week where you'll hear a fully comprehensive review and you'll find out how Benno gets on with his return to the squared circle. So you can follow me, because you can't follow Joe. You can follow me at JPGP on Twitter. Um, obviously, you can follow the theindycorner.com 
and you can go to our great sponsor mechashote.bigcartel.com and go to indiecorner.com follow us on twitter you'll see our results as we're going through them so you'll get all the live results as they're happening i'm rambling bollocks mate need to stop it yeah should we call it should we knock it on the head call it a day yes okay from here we'll see you next time bye <laughs>